This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just lift up holy hands a moment. Thank you, Father. You're so wonderful, so awesome, so full of mercy and goodness, so great and mighty. God, thank you that through our lives you make known and manifest your great love, your great mercy, oh God, to the nations, beginning with those right around us. Thank you, Father. We love you. We bless you. We worship you this morning in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Hallelujah. Well, can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. All this month, our series is about So Will I. This morning, we're going to be talking about So Will I Worship. Isn't that a powerful song, powerful truth? All of creation the galaxies, the stars, everything made by God gives glory to God, gives worship to God. And if they worship Him, then so will I. Amen? And you know, not, not just when we gather together, this is wonderful and we need this, but you know, all throughout the day in our lives, we worship Him. You know, the words of Jesus to Nicodemus, even though they're well known, they sum up the essence of the gospel, don't they? He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And if God so loved the world, so will I. If God so loved the world that he gave his best, then so will I. If God so loved the world, he committed to Calvary. He committed his life, then so will I. And we're going to be talking about that this month. We're going to be giving you an opportunity uh, a little bit later. I'll share with you about that uh, as we give toward our missions. A little bit later at the end of the message today, we're going to have some more video about, uh, uh, from Uganda. So you can see what's going on there. But if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John's Gospel, Chapter 4. We're going to talk about worship. So will I worship. So will I worship. You know... We all have different gifts. The scriptures talk about it. We have different talents. You know, I think it's beautiful what the worship team, they can play the instruments. They can sing like that. You know, I wish I could, but you don't want me to. Uh, you know, and, and you know, and others are very creative and others are, are, are great with technology or whatever it might be. But, you know, there, there's, there's two things that does not depend on any gift. And that's prayer and worship. You don't have to have a particular gift to pray. You don't have to have a particular gift to worship. 
You might sing beautifully like uh, our singers uh, did here this morning on the platform, or you might be like me and just make a happy racket. (laughs) But you know what? It's worship to God. That's what he wants. He's looking for it from the heart. And Jesus was on his way back to Jerusalem. He stopped in Samaria. You know the story. He was tired. He was weary. It was about noon. Uh, you know, it's very hot and dusty, and he stopped there by Jacob's well, and he sent his disciples into the city to get some food, and while he was resting here, a woman came, you know the story, she came to the well to begin to draw water, and they get in a discussion there, and she, you know, she wants to get in a theological discussion, you ever met people like that? They don't really know the Lord a lot of times, but they want, you know, instead of wanting to find out what's pertinent, you know, they're wanting to get in some kind of theological debate. You know, now how many angels can fit on the head of a pen? <laughs> you laugh at that, but you know, in medieval times, that was a hot topic. <laughs> you know, and uh, this lady was, you know, it was no different. Jesus began to speak to her and began to draw her out. And, and uh, verse, about verse, let's, we're going to go to verse 23. He's talking about, uh, well, let's back up to verse 21. Woman, Jesus said, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You know, this woman, just to back up, you know, she, she got to talking about the form of worship. Well, we worship here because this is where Jacob worshiped, and, you know, he dug this well, and this is, you know, you know Grandpa always did it this way, and this is how we do it. And she said, and she wanted to get in a debate, but he said, but the Jews say that we should just worship, you know, that you have to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. You know, if you met people like that, I've met people like that. You know, I remember one time Cindy and I were sitting at a table with a lady, you know, uh, we were on a cruise, and, you know, if you've ever been on one of those cruises, you know, at night you sit at a table, you don't know who you're going to sit with. You just sit with whoever they put you with, you know. And she was, I remember she was talking about, she said, you know, because she said, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Christian or anything, but I'm spiritual. (laughs) Well, you know, I didn't say this to her, but, you know, the devil's spiritual too. He's a spirit. Just because you're spiritual, you better make sure that if you're spiritual, you're hooked up to the right spirit, which is the spirit of God. Isn't that right? But we, you know, people get in a debate, and this is what this lady, she was arguing about the form, and Jesus was trying to get her to see it's not about the form. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. In other words, he said, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're worshiping. You know, you're just going through a form because Jacob did it here. You're going through a form. He said, he said, but we worship what we do know. And here's the, that's the whole thing, isn't it? We worship. Jesus goes on to say that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the first thing, if we're going to worship God, we've got to know him. You've got to know him. If you don't know him, you can't worship him. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're worshiping. You don't, you don't have a clue about it. You know, and sometimes people, you know, will come to church, and I'm talking about, these are people, I'm talking about Christians, believers, that profess faith, that should know. And a lot of times, we, we come to church, and we just go through the motions. We sing the songs, you know, and, you know, and some people even think it's just preliminary. So they get here about the end of the worship. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, we got a great worship team. You get here at the end of the worship, you're missing out on a whole lot of stuff. A lot of good things that God, because, you know, God, when we worship God, we're touching God. And He's touching us. And that's where the change comes. 
That's where our lives are changed. That's where God can, can put something in us. He can touch us in a way that nobody, no human hand, no human voice, no human wisdom can. And he goes on until he said, he said, a time is coming and now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worship, worshipers the Father seeks. Do you know, if you're a worshiper, God's seeking you out. God's looking for the worshipers. He's looking for people whose heart is right toward Him. He's looking for people that are not so caught up in themselves and their own problems that they can put their focus on Him and remember how good He is, how great He is, how big He is. And can we, we can get His plan for our life. There's a whole lot God wants to download into our lives. And one of the, one of the, two, two of the primary ways he does that is prayer and worship. And I really think they're, they're two, of the, two sides of the same coin. Worship in spirit and in truth. Listen, he said, with our whole being. You know, the Bible says we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all that we are. Isn't that right? We're to worship God. And when we worship God in spirit and in truth, when we understand that to worship God is to come into His presence, we come into His presence. I want to tell you what. Could there be anything more uh, valuable? Could there be anything more powerful? Could there be anything more precious, more important than worshiping Him who gave us everything? And you know, as we become worshipers... In our daily life, the worship here corporately is going to uh, increase exponentially. Are you listening? See, sometimes, I know this, and the, if, if, you're, if you're ever preached or taught or, you know, from, uh, to, a, to a group of people or you led worship, you know this is true. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you come in, you're up here, man, I'm telling you, we say it's like pulling teeth. Now, if you've never pulled teeth, of course, you don't know what that means, do you? But it's hard. Sometimes it's hard because, you know, people are just, you know, whatever. They're out there and they come, they show up. Maybe they fussed on the way here. <laughs> Complaining all the time. And they get in here and they sit back there and, okay, do something. And, I mean, you're up here trying to lead worship and, man, they look like, you know, the whole family just died. It's tough. But you know, if people come in here and you've been worshiping this week and you've been spending time with the Father and you're thankful and you're giving praise instead of complaining on the way to church and you get in here, you know, on time and the worship team hits that first note and boy, here we go. Woo! Listen, you, instead of you thinking when they're going to sit down, you're going to think, I hope we never sit down. Because you get lost in the presence of God. That's worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. The word worship, literally, one of the meanings of the word worship is to kiss. You know, over there in Psalms, it says, kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. Oh, we want to we kiss the Son. We want to kiss the Father. We want to love on Him. Amen? Worship in spirit and truth. Turn over to Luke 7. I think this is a beautiful, beautiful picture of worship here in Luke 7. It's beautiful because the person that's doing the worshiping here, you know, it's not a professional worshiper. You know, 
She wasn't somebody that was in the hierarchy of the Jewish temple. As a matter of fact, she was considered a sinner and would be a ne'er-do-well, and nobody of any reputation would have anything to do with this person. This would be the least likely person that you would want to hold up and say, here's a picture of true worship, but she is. And I'm so glad that God used this picture because, you know, it's somebody I can relate to. Amen. I mean, you know, God's still working on me. I thank God I'm a child of God. My sins are forgiven. But God's still working on me. How about you? Amen. Biggest room in my life is the room for improvement. So picture of worship. 7 and verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to dinner. And they were in the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, you know, that may not mean too much uh, to us. But, you know, that took a lot of faith and courage for her to go there. You know, they were still doing the stoning thing in those days. You know. And so to go to a Pharisee's house when she was living a, what they considered a sinful life, and it was a sinful life because Jesus said her sins were forgiven. But notice, it says she came there. I want to tell you when, you, when you become somebody who's a worshiper, there's something in you that says, I've got to get, I've got to, get to God. That's where my answer is. I've got to get in the presence of God. I've got to hear what God has to say. I need his wisdom. I need his strength. I need to hear from God. I've got to get into the presence of God. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to worship. You know, one of the biggest hindrances, especially when we come in corporately to worship, is that we get uh, our pride causes us to be focused on ourselves. And we either think we're not worthy to worship God. Well, I'm going to tell you what, this woman, <laughs> she wasn't what, what we would call, especially the religious people would call worthy to worship. But I want to tell you, if you're alive and breathing, if you have a desire and a hunger to seek God and to know God and to find God, I'm going to tell you what, that, listen, he'll accept you. It says that she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. I want to tell you what, there's worship. There's worship. Here, I kind of broke it down. Here's a picture of worship. It's brokenness. This woman, she was weeping. Why was she weeping? Because she knew that, that her life was not right. Now, I'm going to tell you what, you get in the presence of a holy God, I'm telling you, even as a child of God, I'm telling you, there are times when you just weep. You're just, you're just broken. Sometimes you're broken because you realize how much he loves you, what, how, what grace and what mercy he's shown to you. Sometimes you're broken because you just know, man, I messed up and I need God. But there's brokenness. Sometimes that's a part of worship. We see that here, humility. Man, she was kissing his feet. She wasn't kissing on his cheeks. She was kissing his feet. The, the dirtiest part of his body because Jesus went on to say, he said, Simon, he said, I came in. And the custom is when you invite somebody in those days to your house, one of the first things that you do when you come in is you get your feet washed because they were dirty. But if you, we're going to go on reading here in a minute. He says, Simon, you didn't even wash my feet. So she's down here washing his feet with her. She's kissing dirty feet. 
But they were beautiful feet to her. They were beautiful feet to her. So worship is about, it's about brokenness, it's about humility, and it's about intimacy. She did not care what the Pharisees or other people thought. At that moment in time, it was her and Jesus. It was her and Jesus. You know, when's the last time that you got with the Lord and it was just you and Him? It was just you and Him. You just laid yourself bare. You laid your soul bare. You laid your needs bare. You just, I mean, all of it. Here it is, God, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here it all is, right in the presence of God. If the rocks can worship, so will I. Don't, listen, don't let there be excuses for you not worshiping. I can't sing, or I can't play an instrument, or, you know, I, I, I sinned this week, or I messed up this week. Listen, he said, if you have sinned, he said, then, he said if you confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Yeah. Now, we're going to look, in, as we read this story on further, nowhere in here, at least it doesn't record it, that the woman ever asked him for forgiveness. He said her actions, her worship and everything, he said, he said, because of this, he said, your sins are forgiven. Just keep reading. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what, who is touching him and what kind of woman he is. She's a sinner. And he wasn't. Amen. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt forgiven. He, Jesus said, you've judged correctly. He turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. You know what? That was... A reflection of what Simon really thought about Jesus. He, he didn't respect him. Not really. Because if you asked, in those days, you asked a, a, a guest to, to your house for dinner, you, the first thing you did was you washed their feet. Not only of necessity, but it showed respect. It showed that you were glad that they were here, that you respected them. He said, you didn't even bother to, 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 to wash my feet. Sometimes, you know, we come to church, and you know what? Sometimes there's people, they don't ever worship enough to even wash his feet. We're just like, hurry up and get to the message. And you get to the message, hurry up. I wish you'd hurry up and shut up. I'm not saying you. Notice what he says here. He said, but she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. Listen, don't ever come to church and not kiss the son. Church is not just about you. There's a part of it that's about you, but it's about God. First and foremost. Listen, if you, if you wait and come just for the message, then hear me out. Now, don't get mad. You're being selfish. Because you're just coming to the part that benefits you. But the worship, the prayer time, the offering time, all that, that's, 
That's focused on him. That's not focused on my needs. That's focused on him. That's focused on his kingdom. That's focused on his love, his mercy, his grace. I'm remembering who he is. I'm remembering what he's done. I'm remembering that there are 8 billion souls on this planet that need what I have. He said, you did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore. In other words, the therefore is there for this. To, to mean because, because of all she's done, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And notice in verse 50, he said, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She demonstrated something else, you know, an investment Worship is also an investment. The alabaster oil, that was a very, very expensive commodity. And many times it was used, you know, people used, uh, saved it like that, you know, for what we would call retirement. They didn't have retirement, but old age. You know, when they got old, they would, they would, then they would be able to, you know, to sell that oil and have money to live on. She had an investment in her worship. You know, when, when we worship here, there needs to be an investment. That's why we follow worship with offering. I've got quiet in here. (laughs) Why? Because he said, remember he said he's looking for people to worship in spirit and in truth. Isn't he right? Isn't that right? So uh, my worship, David said this. He said, I will not, uh, he said, I'm not going to offer up to God anything. It didn't cost me something. Isn't that right? He said, we're going to give God something. We're going to give our love and our, our, we're going to give from our heart. We're going to give from, uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to uh, worship God with our words, with our mouth. We're going to make melody in our heart. We're going to do all those things. We're going, to, we're going to come with humility, but we're also going to have an investment in it. And then lastly, worship's about faith. Hebrews eleven six. we all know that one, don't we? He that cometh to God must believe that he well, what, what, where is that done more than in worship? I believe that he is. I believe that Jesus said, we're two or three are gathered together. There he's in the midst. Amen. God will meet me. If I'm in my prayer closet at home or wherever you pray and you get intimate with God, he's going to be there with you, isn't he? I must believe that he is. And nowhere is, is, is faith expressed more than in worship. This woman worshiped him. She was humble. She was broken. She came to him because she had a need. She invested in him. She broke the alabaster, the expensive ointment. She poured that on him. And Jesus said at the end, he said, your faith has saved you. Oh, hallelujah. We're talking about worship. So will I. The rocks and stones and mountains worship. So will I. Amen. Let's turn over, if you will, real quickly. Isaiah 6. The fruit of worship. The fruit of worship. Verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. Doesn't the Bible tell us that, that we who are children of God now, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace? Hallelujah. You know, look over in Revelations. You don't see the multitude gathered around preaching to Jesus. 
Do you? No, you know what they're doing? They're worshiping. They're worshiping. They're worshiping. You might as well get in practice now because we're going to be doing some worshiping through eternity. Man, you don't want to be rusty when you get up there. You don't want to be people looking at you like, well, this guy, I don't know what, what's he doing? You know, I'm just kidding. His train filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. Each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Boy, I can't wait till we have that happen here when we worship. Come on. You say, I don't believe that happened. Well, you need to read over there in Acts chapter 4. It says they lifted up their voice with God after they got out of prison with one accord in prayer and in worship to God. And it says they, the whole place was shook. Hey. I just don't think God does that anymore. Well, you know, you just stay in neutral then. Don't be believing for anything about that. Just stay in neutral. Okay? Because we don't have to pull you along. It says, he said, woe to me. I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Wow. Worship. The fruit of worship. The fruit of worship, I believe, it, it always... Uh, uh, produces three things in us. An upward vision, an inward vision, and an outward vision. An upward vision. It's when we focus on Him. That's the first thing. I begin to focus on Him. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. Listen, you can get in times of worship where in your spirit, God may give you a vision. So, I don't believe God does that anymore. Okay, well, you're excused. But, you know, but here's the thing. We can sense the mightiness of God, the glory of God, the goodness that he's high, he's holy, he's almighty, he's wonderful, he's the prince of peace, he's merciful, forgiving, the lamb of God, the healer, the deliverer. We could go on and on. So could you. But this is what I remind myself. First of all, I get a vision for who God is. Some Christians, you know, they, they, they look like, you know, Jesus didn't make it up out of the grave. They look depressed and sad. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying. But you know what? The big, one of the biggest things to overcome depression is if you just start being a worshiper. Yeah, but you don't know how I feel. Yeah, I do. That's why you need to worship in spirit and not out of your emotions. Your emotions will catch up later. <laughs> but you just start worshiping God. And the first thing will happen is you'll begin to get an upward vision. You'll begin to, to remember and see who God is. He's high. He's holy. He's the creator. He's the almighty. He's the resurrected one. He has the keys to death and hell. Boy, what's my little old problems going to be when I'm worshiping and serving a God like that? We need to learn to be worshipers. Worship him. And when you do that, you're going to get an upward focus on him. 
Remember who he is. Remember who he is. And then an inward vision. I'm going to see myself as I really am. Sometimes it's going to be needing his forgiveness and help. Sometimes it's going to be needing his grace, his power, and his strength. Isn't that what he said? Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive what? Grace and help in time of need. He's writing that to the church. There are times when you're going to need that. When you need your hope restored. When you need, you need the, you know, some oil poured on you. First you minister to him, then he ministers to you. That's how it works. If you give, it's going to be given back to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. And then also, the, that inward vision. If you worship long enough, it will culminate with this, that you'll remember and see yourself as a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus, an overcoming one. Hallelujah. Amen? That's what worship does. When you come out of the presence of God, you might, you might have gone in there with needs. You might have gone in there with, with needing some sins to be forgiven, whatever it might be. But I'm telling you, if you stay there and worship long enough, when you leave there, you're going to leave there knowing, I'm going to tell you what, I'm a child of God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The devil's under my feet. Today, I am an overcomer. Amen. You leave out of there. I'm telling you, listen, you can't, listen, you hang out with God. I'm telling you what, you're going to start being like him. A lot of things, you know, that we struggle with sometimes. You know what I mean? We Remember last month we talked about those weights and sins he talked about over there in Hebrews 12 that trip us up? You know, a lot of, a lot of people will struggle with that and try by the power of the flesh and willpower alone to, to do all that. But you know what? You get in the presence of God and you start worshiping him. You get in his presence. That's, a lot of that stuff just starts falling off of you. It just, fall, just starts falling off of you. You get in the presence of God. Why? Because you're coming like Him. You're becoming holy like Him. You're becoming pure like Him. You're becoming filled with faith like Him. You begin to catch a vision and a dream like God does. You begin to be more creative. Your faith just rises up. And you, man, you come out of that place and you're like, bless God, where's that devil? He done lit out. You know what that means? He ran off. <laughs> An inward vision. And then it creates an outward vision. An outward vision. I truly believe this. Notice what uh, Isaiah said here. He's, first thing when he, he said, oh, man, I see the Lord. I see how holy he is. That was the upward vision, wasn't it? Oh, he's holy. He's mighty. He's awesome. Then he had a, an inward vision. He saw himself as he really was at that moment. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. But there in the presence of God, the angel came and touched him with the fire of the altar. And, when he, and, and at the end of that thing, he had a vision. What You know what? Man, my sins are forgiven. And then he had one more, an outward vision. Because he heard God say. Let's read it over here. He heard God say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Wow, an outward vision. We gain God's heart and vision for the world that's lost, for the hurting, for the broken, for the bound, for people just like this woman we read over here, <clears throat> pardon me, in Luke 7. Listen, that's who we want here in Passion Church. Amen. 
Well, we want them to come in. They, I'm telling you what, they can smell like the pig pen still on them. We don't care. I say, when I see the, that, that, that picture of the prodigal coming home to the father, I'm telling you what, it don't say anything about him stopping by, you know, the spa on the way. Does it? He came straight from the pig pen. I'm sure he still sm- had some smell of the pig pen on him. Amen? Listen, we're, we're not going to be like the Pharisees <clears throat> or we think we're better than everybody else. I'm telling you, everybody got in the same way, didn't they? It was by faith through grace. Everybody gets in the same way. You're, you, you know, you, you might have been a little sinner and I was a big sinner, but the bottom line is we were all sinners. But thank God when we come into God's presence and believe on Him, He changes us, He transforms us. And He can do the same thing with our family members, with our neighbors, with those around us. You know, but how do we get that vision, you know? How do we get that vision? Like Isaiah said, here am I, send me, Lord. I believe it starts with worship. It starts with worship. place we might not have think it, think it would start, but it starts with worship because what? We begin to have our heart changed. We begin to take on His heart, His vision, His desires, begin to fill me up. And just like Isaiah, I think Isaiah, I think he said it before he even thought, here I am, Lord, send me. You know? He wasn't like Saul who hid among the stuff. I hope the Lord don't find me. I sure don't want to go to Africa. I'll tell you what, you get his heart, you say, Lord, here am I, send me wherever. I have a pretty good idea it won't be Africa. It'll probably just be maybe to your neighbor to your oikos, your family, your extended family, to those that are in your circle. But you know, when you get a love like God for people, fear won't be able to hold you back. Because perfect love does what? So there's a desire to go tell them about Him. Look at one more scripture here, Matthew 9. Then I'm going to give you some action points. Matthew 9. We're talking about so will I. If God so loved, so will I. So will I. I will be a worshiper. I will be someone who takes on the compassion and the heart of Jesus, the heart of the Father. And and almost unconsciously, my response will be like Isaiah's. Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me. Amen. Amen. Matthew 9, Jesus is speaking here. He says, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that interesting how Jesus saw them? You know, how how do you see people that are not what we call church people, Christians, believers, however you want to say it? How do we see those people? How do we treat those people? How do we respond to those people? It says a lot about us, doesn't it? Are we pharisaical? We don't want them around us. I mean, after all, i got a reputation. Well, you need to lose that one. That's what it said about Jesus, that he had no reputation. Did you know he was called a wine, well, King James translated it wine bibber. It literally means he was a drunkard. He liked to party and drink wine. That was his reputation. 
I'm not saying you need to go party and drink. <laughs> Sometimes you have to help folks, you know. I'm just saying this, you know, but he didn't care if, there, if somebody was hungry for God. He didn't care where they were. He didn't care if he was seen in their company, if they were hungry for God. Amen. <laughs> he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know, when we, we get God's heart through worship, that's what we'll be. We'll be like Isaiah, hear my Lord, send me. And we'll be one of those that Jesus said, pray to you to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. You know, I share, share with you on different occasions, many times, you know, sometimes I'm out with Cindy and she's shopping and I'm following her around. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, and I'm following her around and she's looking at stuff and, you know, we're there for an hour, two hours and she leaves, doesn't buy anything. But... <laughs> You know, me, I want to, first thing, that's good, let's buy it and go home. But, you know, I, I find out a good way to, to pass the time is while I'm in that store. I can just pray for everybody in the store. Pray for, I pray for, you know, pray for the cashiers, pray for those waiting on us, pray for those back there in the stock room, pray for all the customers in there, and just pray for everybody. It's a great opportunity. You know, who knows, that might, you might, that might be the only time anybody prays for them. But what I'm saying is when we become worshipers, we become sensitive. We become filled with compassion. Amen. And that those, listen, those are the people God uses is the ones filled with compassion. To speak to people, to pray for people, to encourage people, whatever it may be. Now let me give you some action points here. Let me ask you this, a question first, or a couple of questions. And ask yourself this, am I a true worshiper? Am I a true worshiper? Worshiping in spirit and truth. When I worship, it's my focus on God first. Is it about Him and not about me? Am I a true worshiper? Do I worship God? Am I, am I a consistent worshiper of God? I want to tell you what, you know, if you only worship on Sunday morning, I'm telling you, your worship wheel is going to be a little rusty. Amen. Could be. But if you worship consistently, and you know, you can worship at all kinds of times. I, I, I think that we should have special times set aside where we just really, we're going to make some, some, some really quality time, some, some length of time where we're going to worship and wait on God. You can worship God, you know, on your commute. People look over there at the red light and see you over there, you're worshiping God. I don't care what they think. Amen. You can worship God on your commute. You can worship God as your lunch hour. There's a lot of ways you can worship God. And, I didn't, and, you know, we didn't get into all the different ways that we can worship God. You can worship God from your heart. You can worship God with singing. You can worship God with lifted hands. You can worship God with a dance. There's a lot of different ways to worship God. But am I a worshiper? And then how has my worship shaped my vision? My vision of God. Do you, do you really know the Father? Not just, not just know about Him, but do you know Him? Do you know His heart? Have you spent some time with Him? Have you begun to take on some of His attributes? 
just because you hung with him. You know, I'm sure everybody probably uh, heard about and read about the, the tragic ending of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and, and seven others that were with him. But, you know, people are talking about, you know, you read about different ones that, you know, Kobe, that he had an effect on their lives. Well, you know, everybody that says that, most of them were people that what? That had the opportunity to be around him. Isn't that right? Now, if that's true about men, and that is true, how much more is it true about God? If, we, if we're around him consistently, people are going to know it, aren't they? So how has your worship shaped your vision of God, of yourself? Of yourself? How do you see yourself? Well, I'm no good. Listen, you might start worshiping that way, but if you worship God, you really get in his presence, you'll never leave his presence that way. He won't let you. I said, he won't let you. He won't let you. All of a sudden, you you begin to realize how much God loves you. How much God cares for you. What he, he has done for you already. What he, he desires to do for you. You leave that place, and I mean, man, you're an overcomer. Woo! You're ready to go out and do the triple-double. If you don't know what that is, ask a basketball person. And then finally, how has it affected your worship, affected your vision of the world? In this case, let's just put it down to my world. The people that you work with, the people that or your neighbors, the people that are around you that you deal with on a regular basis, how does your worship shape that? How do you see those people? You know, those people that are, that are lost. The people who are of a different ethnicity or race than you. Their culture's a little, not quite Southern, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you some of you need to travel a little bit. <laughs> you know, I love the South. I'm a Southerner, but you know what? There's a lot of this world. There's a lot of good things there, too. Different from us. Different from our culture. But you know what? They're made in the image of God, too. Amen? It'll be good for you. Get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. All this month, and I hope you read my letter because that helped to explain a few things, but all this month at Passion Churches, both here at Alex City and over in Mississippi, we're going to be doing uh, a campaign called So Will I, and it's, it, the whole purpose of it is mission-oriented because what we're wanting to do is do something called a faith promise. Now, some of you may be familiar with that. Some of you may not be. A faith promise is just simply this. It's going to be uh, a time this month, all this month, I'm asking you to begin to pray and seek God about giving a consistent either monthly or weekly offering for missions. You seek God. It's not a pledge. Nobody's going to call you up. Nobody's going to say, okay, where's that money? We're not going to do that. Okay, this is between you and God. But, but we do want you to be praying about it. And the, uh, the ushers, guys, you can go ahead and pass out some of these cards while I'm talking. <clears throat> Every Sunday we're going to be passing these out, but I encourage you to take one today. And this is our faith promise card. And you're just going to be praying all this month saying, God, what would you, what, 
what would you have me to give? You know, and you're going to believe God to supply that. You're going to believe God to supply that. Now, let me, let me just help you out right here. Now, I know some of you with a good heart would like to put $10,000 a month there. And that sure would be nice. But, but, you know, be realistic about where your faith is and or where your budget is. But I do believe, you know, it would be good to stretch it a little bit. You know, believe God. And you say, well... What if I put down 50 and only 40 comes in? We'll give the 40 and rejoice. Amen? Amen. Nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to, you know, this is between you and God. But here's the thing. What comes in every month, that's what's going to go to, to our mission support. We've got a list of missionaries out in the, the lobby between all three churches. I think there's about 27-something, 20-some-odd uh, missions works both locally and globally that we support. But uh, so anyway, keep this with you. Put it in your Bible or put it somewhere prominent where you see it, where it'll remind you. And just from time to time this month, just pray and say, okay, God, what, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? You know, we, we read there in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. Didn't he? He gave, he gave his son. He gave his best. So if he gave, so will I. So will I. And I believe this, you know, again, if we worship God and get in God's presence, you can't help but be a giver because that's what he is. He's the biggest giver ever. Isn't that right? And if you, you're in his presence, you're going to want to give. You're going to say, God, now this is not enough. You're going to have to supply some more now because you, you done ruined me. You, you've, you're making me want to be generous like you're generous. You're making me want to give the way you gave. But now you're going to have to supply that seed. And so here's the thing. All we're asking you is God supplies it that you give it. And at the end of the month, we're going to ask everybody to just fill out your card. You know, we're going to take them up, receive them, and we're going to let you know what our faith promise total is so that you can rejoice. Amen. And we can believe together with one another for God to supply it. Amen? Amen? Amen. I think right now, have we got that video queued up? We're ready to go? Okay, let's show that right now. We've got a video here of Uganda, one of the places we support.
Amen. Well, you know, uh, that's just one of the places, as I said, there's a list out there that's complete. You can see the number of different uh, countries, missionaries that, uh, that we're supporting and that we want to continue to support by your faithful, uh, faith promise giving. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, just before we go, I have some... Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.